0: Good morning, everyone. We're sorry for the technical difficulties. We were a little uh, late getting Today Manana started, but we're, we're back in it now, and we got a good show today. Today, it's you're being hosted by Nicholas and Xavier Irby. Thank you. I uh, swapped out Alex, and the reason why is because our guests are Professor Michael Sloan and Professor Benjamin Rouse from the University Singers and the Charlottesville Symphony. I'm going to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors. Thank you to uh, Emerging Financial Services, Castle Hill Cider, Matthias Yon Realty, Cradic Serious Insurance and Ford Adelante. Good morning, Nicholas. Movie. How, Good you, morning. Doing? How are you doing? How you doing? I was getting to that. I was <laughs> like, "Good morning." You got to grab your cafe con leche. I'm just trying to rush. Why you this is this is a, this a, is like a, a great.
1: I mean, listen, this is oh, yeah. a great day to do that, the right? Like Twenty three degrees, extra hot, no doubt. I mean, last week we said you got to have cafe con leche with with maybe ice, right? Because yeah. it was eighty degrees, and today you got to have today. the cafe con leche nice and hot. Unbelievable. But it's lovely day anyway, right?
0: Yeah, the sun's still shining. That's what matters. And we f- we we got it up and going, so we got the <laughs> show. <laughs> it was Like we we're, st- we're still in it to win it.
1: That happens. That happens. Thank yeah.
0: you for joining me today. Well, thank
1: you for inviting me today. I appreciate that. And uh, and for all those uh, that are listening, don't forget to uh, like and share. That's my line, right? And subscribe. Got it. Okay, that's <laughs> and, all. That's all I'm supposed to say. And, <laughs> and all subscribe. The time, right? and I'm done. Subscribe. I can leave. that. And subscribe. Okay, yeah. There you go. There you go. I, I was coming to that. I was coming to that. Coming to that.
2: <laughs> All
1: righty, you so, had one job. <laughs> one job. <Right. laughs> three words. Uh, it's so, tough though. It's, it's three things job. i got to remember. I mean, it's not just two things. <laughs> so if you're
0: ready, we'll jump right into it. No, absolutely. Because, we have uh, two great
1: guests and I'm really ex- very excited to, uh, to, 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 uh, them to chat this with them and listen to what they have to say. And the reason why
0: is because they are doing a double concert on, uh, as in they're both will be conducting on November 11th and 12th.
3: That's right.
0: Would you like so would you like me to read out the uh the sure the so we said so the performances will be Beethoven's Piano Concerto number no. 5 the Emperor Concerto uh Aaron Copland's Canticle of Freedom Eric Whitaker's Equus it was Jennifer Higdon's O Magnum Mysterium oh, yeah. and Hale Storks I will lift up my eyes so
1: and that is this year? That is... That's this year, this coming year, this, this, no, this fall? this coming concert,
0: know. like November 11th and 12th. Okay, I yeah. just
1: want to make sure everybody knows when that is. Yeah. November. So that's next week. That's next week. Yeah. That's next, next week. weekend. Yeah, next weekend. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, Friday night at 7.30 at Old Cabell Hall. Saturday. Saturday. I'm sorry, Saturday, Saturday night at 7.30 yeah. at Old Cabell Hall. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday afternoon, 3.30 at yeah. MLK that's right. Performing Arts Center. Yes, exactly. indeed. I had one job. Yeah. No, <laughs> you hey, you got, the, no, yeah, you, you
0: got more that, than that. You guys <laughs> got a lot of questions coming. <laughs> yeah. You. Without you,
3: that this this concerts I don't think would go all very well. Mm-hmm. Could always have more <laughs> rehearsal, but it is next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So to start off, though, would you introduce yourselves as to the audience and tell us kind of how you got started in? Sure. Conducting. Oh, how we got started in conducting—that's an interesting question.
2: There. So, um, so yeah, uh, I'm Ben Rouse. I direct Charlottesville Symphony, and. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to not give the 13-minute answer to yeah. that question because how you started <laughs> conducting is really murky. And even once you've started, it still feels like the beginnings are murky. My first opportunity to conduct music uh, was a pit band that, uh, for, a, for a musical in college that needed a, a director to direct the pit band. So I did it City of Angels still one of my favorites oh, yeah. still one of my favorite Psychoan. musicals. That's a good jazzy yeah. score. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice kind of kind of jazz big band type yeah. of ensemble. So that was that was my first conducting um, but I've always been a classically trained violinist, violist and composer and so I definitely wanted to apply myself to orchestral conducting when the opportunities came and there was later on a student conducted orchestra that fortunately picked me to be their conductor through an audition um, and so that, that, was, that was the first time that I really felt like the kind of conductor that I wanted to be and mm. that I ended up being. Wow.
3: Yeah, so Michael Sloan, director of choral music at UVA. Uh, and thanks again to both of you for having us on the show. Oh, we yet. appreciate for you amazing. both taking yeah, the time to Great come. to be here. Um, Ben's right. You know, I mean, it always starts a little unusually because... When you're a kid, right, almost no one in your neighborhood is offering conducting lessons, right? <laughs> you, you, you're doing piano lessons or right, violin right. lessons or, or singing lessons. And so usually it's good if you start on an instrument or a voice right. or something like that. So I started a, as a pianist, uh, as you guys probably know. And it was in high school. I had a very good director who was, you know, wanted to enable the students to have some opportunities. And I was accompanying the choir and singing with them. and. He had me conduct something, uh, you know, with the choir. I think junior year, and then senior year, we got I got to do something um, on a series of concerts, the same piece, you know, a number of times, and and I found it very exciting. But of course, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to be in life at that moment. Went to college and continued to stay involved with chorus, and and then eventually orchestra. And it was right when I was graduating college, um, the choral groups they offered me um an opportunity to become assistant director of choral music at, Cor- at Cornell right as I graduated which is unusual and that's where I really started to feel like this is I think this is something I could do and that I f- find deeply engaging and and meaningful yeah as a wow. vocation
2: but well, I would say you feel like you could do it but you haven't had the chance exactly and 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 and, ge- and getting that first chance is there's no standard path toward getting exactly. that first chance that's why that's why it's murky yeah. it is the thing that actually i was envisioning for myself even from a very young age but mm, there was yeah. no way to really engage that vision of the future because i just didn't see a way toward it it was like this it was like this fortress with no doors you know how do, how do you get yeah, in how they do get you in storm there. that yeah, yeah you know the, the, that's the, the I remember view something like that too, as a kid is, is, there's
3: no way in we're both john williams fans i remember standing in my room as a kid conducting along to the soundtracks right. l- literally with a baton and everything but okay. um the th- d- you know if you're a violinist or a pianist all you need is yourself and a place to play and you exactly. can work on your instrument but if you're going to lead an ensemble how do you get to practice your instrument in that case? That, that usually you have to be older and have certain kind of opportunities. So you're right. It, yeah, it's not always clear how you get to that initially right. until you go to school and get some opportunities.
1: So, so, I, so I would say, so I'm curious, um, um, because obviously, you know, when, when you play an instrument, right, first and foremost, you need to be able to read music, which is absolutely important for, for conducting. I suspect, right? Yeah, I mean, so. I have a funny story for you sending? about in a minute, but yes, um, I agree with that. Uh, so, I guess my question though is, when when you have a situation where you need to conduct, I suspect you are looking at every part of the orchestra. When the violin comes in, you know, when the trumpets come in, when whatever you know, wherever it comes in, yeah. you need to be able to be reading simultaneous all those pieces, right? to be able to tell them, okay, you're coming in, okay, you're next, oh, whatever. So I suspect that takes practice. It's like, like you said, it's not a matter of, like, I'm playing an instrument. Somebody says, can you, can you now
2: conduct this? It's like, oh, yeah, no problem. It's like, it must be difficult. How, I mean, how does that come about? So, yeah, you put your finger on a really important thing, and I wish that everyone in the world at some point could see a full score mm-hmm. to – yeah. A piece like what we're doing. I on did. This concert, I showed the like students Equus to, to yeah. the
3: point of this upcoming yeah. concert. Yeah. And some of them were astounded to yeah. see all the things on the page. Right. Because
2: yeah. what you see when you see when, when the soprano or the tenor or the violist looks at their music is their part. And the score has all the parts at once. So you, instead of having many lines of music on a page, you've got one. Because it's. They do this while they do this while they do this, and it looks beautiful on the page. It's beautiful, exactly. mm-hmm. um and also kind of <clears throat> five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that little bowl. Cle- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> clearing my throat into a throat. microphone <laughs> is is a fine, worthy offense around here. I understand, but um, uh, you see it. You see it happening all at once. So only one yeah. line fits, and it's a beautiful thing on the page. But it's also like. If you don't read music, it just looks like well, this intimidating design young, of right? scratchy. And yeah. and yeah, for the person who reads just one line of music at a time, it does look intimidating. Yeah. So the answer to that is many part answer. One is you do get used to it over many years, but it's also true that you really have to prepare ahead of time. Yeah. If you go into a rehearsal and try to sight read the score the way that a musician could sight read one line you're not going to lead a very good rehearsal. It simply, it simply requires preparation so that you know already what's down there. Yeah. And what's down there becomes a visual reminder of what you already know rather than, rather than something that you're actively reading for
0: the first time. So before we get into Michael's story, <laughs> how much time do you, would you say before even like your first rehearsal, are you guys going over the full scores and like making notes and doing things mm-hmm. to prepare? Like, is there a lot of pre-prep work even before you walk in because oh, there's yeah. things that you're worried about? Not worried, just need oh, to prepare. Need to prepare for. Okay, yeah, you know. better phrasing.
2: Yeah, the, um, I mean, I I, I, would, I would guess there's an ideal factor of like one to ten maybe of rehearsal time versus study time. Now, do we ever get that in our actual <laughs> life? Real world. Yeah. I don't know. But it's also true that it it's different when you're doing something for the first time versus yeah. having, for example, in my case, have you done the stuff on no. your half before? So this no. so I've done the Emperor Concerto in the past, yeah. so approaching that score for the second time, you're standing on the preparation of, of years before, and so, th- so then the factor becomes a little bit... You know, different. there's
3: two ways to think about it. Yeah, that's a good point, Ben. One is um, you stand on your experience as a conductor, so when that you're young right, and you're approaching well. scores like this, it takes even more work because you just haven't done it very much. Once you've done... You know a hundred plus orchestra concerts probably in my case or in your case probably a thousand plus or you know then you you have a much bigger toolbox with which to work and so then you know when you're looking at the score you have a better sense okay what do i need to pay attention to who's going to need help here what, how can we get the most juice out of the orange here you know those kind of things um but you're right it's never i remember doing talking about this at a workshop with the atlanta symphony and chorus and all that mm. um you never quite have enough time—the time in the real world—but it takes a, f- a fair amount of time ahead just to make sure you're prepared. Um, so,
1: sure. so I'm. Um, so, I, mean, I hate to belabor this point, but I'm. I'm so interested because, <laughs> because, um, so, so you get a score, right? I mean, granted. So you guys at this point are, are you know. Um, as, as uh, Nicholas put it before, geniuses, right, in, in, in what you do, right? Uh, so you get a score, and you know in most cases you've done it, so you have to go back on, on your history and, and the knowledge that you have. But at, especially at the very beginning, you get a score, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is it that you do? Because, I mean, you're, you're just looking at lines of different sec- sections of the orchestra that are going to be playing at different times, so are you just preparing mentally as to when to be able to read? In other words, is it like reading a speech that's fifty pages long and saying, "I can't read the speech; I got to say it," but I got to have an idea as to where everything is"? is? Is is that how it works, more or less?
3: Audiation would be a good word here, right?
2: Yeah, I I I think your analogy is a good one, which is that of an actor preparing a text that is that is roughly what we're doing there there's the there's the printed form there's this the performed sonic form and we're trying to as as it's contagious you (laughs) you hit the microphone so i hit the microphone (laughs) um as as michael said um Imagining in sound what 's on the page audience yeah. yeah. okay. so
3: create a, uh, a image in your mind of how does it go uh, yeah. and and so that 's a tricky skill to learn or to teach at a younger age because you can 't quite see for example, for our students I try to teach them this how do you see what 's going excuse me on in their mind right. Yeah. Um, but I think what you do is, I'm sure Ben is something, so you sit down, there's a couple ways you can approach it. One is to just kind of get the big picture, like what's this narrative, what's the storyline of this piece, and that kind of thing. There's some very specific things, like who hasn't played in 55 measures and is going to need a cue on the end of three, uh, because they've the been answer. just looking at their part and counting, and they want a little reinforcement, like, hey, maybe yeah. it's now my time to come in. Um, uh, but also, and are there technical difficulties? are there musical beauties to bring out? Um, but in the end, you want to create a blueprint in your mind that you can then execute technically and with your people because um, if you don 't have it clear up here uh, it 's not going to be right, clear so right. so you, so you can 't
2: rehearse see that what what you what 're doing in rehearsal is comparing what you hear to what yes. you 've what you, what you formulate in your head. Okay, gotcha,
1: you. gotcha. So that's the key. The key is you guys look at notes and hear the music. I mean, I'll look at right. notes and I, I don't hear a thing, right? I mean, I, if I listen, I, I love it, but, but if I look at, I've never taken, you know, not like Nick. That's Ford another way you can create the yeah. image, though. We could so play through guys, it or hear yeah, a recording. So you guys look at it and hear the music, and so you're formulating in your head when you want, you know, how something's supposed to hear. And then, like you said, then you go to practice, and it's like, all right,
3: eh, that, that didn't sound quite right, or that sounded better than in my head. Or... Yeah. I mean, anybody, we can make an analogy. Anybody can audiate in life, right? You just think, what do I, I want to envision? Let's just put that. In. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No, <laughs> <I don't, laughs>
0: no, 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 don't, no, no. I mean, not musically.
2: specifically for music. Exactly. Skill. Uh, what do okay, you want to okay. do
3: in your life? You know, uh, I envision this, then I make it happen. And even specifically, I'm sure if we said a popular folk song, you could probably hear it in your head just well, like sure. if you say Washington DC you can picture an image of things in Washington right, that, right. it's a little like that yeah. but yeah okay. but yeah it's it's a fascinating skill yeah.
2: to work on and to, as you said to, to teach it is even harder because yes. you can't tell it's hard to tell if somebody until you, is, they get is doing lost they effective. clearly
1: have no idea <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now the, the other I have another question you don't mind cool. me asking these questions, I know you I had, had a list. Too. I know you had a list. What do I care <laughs> about your questions? The, so, when do you? Find I love yourself, the father-son dynamic. By <laughs> way.
3: So you just wait.
1: So, uh, <laughs> you know, like I when I when I go to the you know to the symphony and you guys are playing and and so I always wonder. Sometimes I look and you guys like will kind of go like this and then that part of the symphony we stop playing. But once in a while, I look at the people and I, uh, the the players and I say. He wasn't even looking at you. So there it? are some that, yeah, look at you, others that don't. Is it because mm-hmm. they're so good at it, or are those the guys that you want to say, hey, wake up? It's like you're supposed it's to look just, at me. I do, I'll, I'm going to let I'll, ben. I'll, <laughs> oh, I was going well, to. have. I, my both I, no, I have my. I, I do no, have an answer I, to this I, but go I d-
2: ahead. We both, this is, no, we're not deflecting. Okay. <laughs> we both have an answer that we think is so good. That we don't want to force the other person to follow our answer. Oh, I, I think that. that's that what what's going on here. Am I right about that?
3: No, go ahead. <laughs> you go for it. I'm sure <laughs> it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> go. go for it.
2: Okay, so <clears throat> this is a thing that people don't really think about that much. Yeah. And that I was actually not even taught in conducting school. Hmm. I um, I want to credit my source for the answer I'm about to give, which uh, who is David Robertson, who is hmm. now the director of orchestras at Juilliard and directs. Used to in be St. Louis, Sydney, Symphony. Australia. Recently, St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, up until yeah, and it's, I think still does the Sydney Symphony. If I if does, I remember, correctly. I know I know him
3: a little bit. He's a very talented guy.
2: Extremely, extremely talented. Such a smart, such yes. a smart thinker about about how conducting really works. And what he pointed out which, as soon as he said it it crystallized in my mind, yeah, I realized this a long time ago, but didn't quite have it crystallized in my mind, is that different players watch differently. Yeah. And that the default is read the music because they've got to read all their notes. Right. They're, they're the ones making the music, so they're, they're reading the notes, playing the, playing the notes correctly. And so your primary job as a conductor is to be clear enough that someone can follow you peripherally. Peripherally, yeah. That they can use peripheral vision and and that you're not being so fancy and minute and intricate that they can't get the most important information from here up in their vision. Beyond that, different players look up differently. And if you've got, for example, a woodwind solo, this person might look at you stare at you for two bars before and for the whole time that they're playing. And this player might look up just as they're breathing. Or this player might breathe and then follow you once they're playing. And when the player is looking more directly, then the window is much more wide open for you to share subtlety of information because they're looking directly. Mm. And so what you've got in front of an orchestra of players with different watching habits different looking habits, peripheral, and different angles, yeah, and okay. different distances, right. is that window of opportunity is opening and closing all around you in con- in, at different times, constantly. And so you've got all these different windows opening and closing. And, and when you come to a new orchestra, the learning curve is learning how those windows work. When you're in, with an orchestra you work with all the time, you become accustomed to that, of and course. it becomes instinctive. And that's something that's not taught. In any, in any master class or program that I've ever been in, is that is the way that people watch differently. So, yeah, number one, the overarching answer is the amount of information that you can share peripherally is the most important because, again, they have to read all the notes right. and, and play the right notes correctly, and we just get to stand there and wave a stick, which is comparatively easy compared to playing an instrument or singing. But also, when, when people do look up, they look up differently, and, and your job as a conductor is to leverage those open windows.
3: Beat that. I, no, I think that's... <laughs> not... Well, I don't feel like this is a tennis match yet. You know. Yet. I haven't pulled out my Djokovic to his Nadal yet. <laughs> um, uh, I, no, that's an excellent answer. Uh, credit to Robertson, too, I guess. But no, it's a great answer, exactly. Ben. I, I agree with what he's saying. Um, and I think you can see it in sections, too, right? Like, strings will tend to be sometimes more in the score. Mm-hmm. And he's right. I know, I've know i known woodwind solos. That, uh, like, a friend of mine who's an oboist. You look at him, he's looking at you ahead. He's looking at him during the solo. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an incredible contact, which sometimes for the conductor even is reassuring. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not every player, and it's, it, you want to help the player be comfortable, whatever their style is. Right. Um, I think you can encourage... A section to look up more. I mean, sometimes you got people in the back of you know a string section that could could look up or get their peripheral going a little more. But uh, that's true. I think. Uh, let me uh, just add a difference, which is courses. Um, I think courses have less reason to be in the score, um, in a sense. They, they get usually more time with the music than an orchestra. Mm-hmm and they've got all of it in front of them and I think you've got to train your singers to look up for two reasons one is if you're going to sing you've got to project your voice over it you can't be singing into the floor or into the score Good point. so you've got to and you want to be like this the score's here and your eyes are out to the audience and to the conductor because that's also expressive and communicative so I think think that's one thing Um, for a chorus you want to really try to train them to be watching especially at tempo transitions and so on but the other thing is occasionally with a chorus, we get to do something most orchestras don't, which is we perform from memory. Right. Mm. Then, there's absolutely zero reason they shouldn't be connected right. with, and right. then you can get really subtle, you know, if you're able. Wow. But, so,
1: but from, what you, from right. what you just described before, it seems to me that, and I would suspect that, most players have memorized their part so well that my assumption even though they have to read it because um, I mean, if you mentioned the oboe guy is playing and looking at you he's not reading right because right. he's looking at you Might said, solo. right yeah um
2: but there's well, that's a player with with a pretty confident memory yeah and, yeah. and, and that that varies yeah. greatly between yes. musicians. yeah
3: yeah and if the strings have like two hours of music and right. they've had three rehearsals you can bet they're going to need to be looking at <laughs> exactly the score, exactly so. yeah, yeah. So, so okay yeah so it varies it varies yeah yeah yeah
0: all right, Nicholas, you can uh, start with like, your question. I was like, now, he's now. got another right. one. Well, because one of the questions I want to ask was pertaining to the actual the, yeah, the program. About yeah, let's concert. Because oh yeah, well, we have a concert. That's what we're here for. That's right. Sorry, sorry. We have a <laughs> concert. Concert. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for the concert. No, I mean it's, it, it's great in hell have a time. I just like to obviously you guys can see. I like to make fun of my yeah. dad. But um, one of the things I thought was so in conducting the Beethoven, particularly right to start with the Beethoven, then to move on to the other ones. But so I did a little pre-reading on the Beethoven. One of the things I did read, that there's no cadenza for the pianist, and for those who don't know what a cadenza is, that's when the pianist kind of like goes off on his own and does his own little um, kind of showing off. And so, the fact that Beethoven chose not to have one, does that... It, it kind of shifts the focus almost from the pianist as a soloist to the conductor. How do you manage that as a conductor? Or at least that's what it would appear to me as a layperson.
2: Well, I, I would say it this, this concerto rebalances a little bit toward the orchestra, not right. specifically toward the conductor. And I will say that... I have two different reactions when someone says, I liked watching you conduct, which was great, they enjoyed the concert, but also it hurts me a little bit because the highest goal as a conductor is to disappear and make yourself obsolete. Communicated. Where the, where, music where, where, the so. where the where the audience just listens and and watches the orchestra. And, and I've, I have yet to achieve that, I, I, and, and, and I feel like that's a, like it's a failure every time that someone said, <laughs> that someone says that to me. Um, so I would first, I, my first instinct is to deflect that too. But it's but it's true that that the role of the soloist is reimagined in this concerto, and it's not that they're. It, there isn't a traditional cadenza meaning that it comes kind of close to the end of the first movement and the orchestra is silent and and the six and the pianist goes up with a, with a yeah with a, with a dominant six four chord and the pianist has a has a elaborate kind of yeah improvisation on on that harmonic progression all by itself but unusually in in this concerto actually the piano doesn't wait for a long orchestral introduction before it plays but comes in right after that first chord with a flourish which is itself kind of a miniature cadenza. cadenza. Mm-hmm. Actually, there are three of them in a row, right? There's a chord and the piano does this arpeggiation thing uh, that then ends with a melodic turn. So those are kind of... It, I think the cadenza is sort, of, is sort of broken up and sprinkled earlier <laughs> in the movement rather than being eliminated entirely. Right. So it's sure. reconfigured in a, in a way that typical of beethoven he was interested in in tweaking modifying and even revolutionizing the classical forms that's one of the reasons that people think of him as prefiguring the romantic period where then that formal mashing up goes you know goes to the nth degree Yeah. yeah
1: by the way just just to clarify something um I do have a tendency sometimes to to watch you, and I wouldn't take that negatively it 's just that the energy you bring and the yeah, excitement that you have up there it's just it 's just amazing so just because i'm watching doesn't mean i 'm not enjoying the music, but it's sometimes it even i enjoy it even more because it 's like I see you and it's like sometimes I'm just going to jump out of the stage and it's just like hmm. i you know you just feel the music through you sometimes so i you know i mean i've been to lots of <laughs> Booms! I've been to lots of <laughs> symphonies, even it's in crazy. New York, all, and and of course here I sit much closer, so I get to see hmm. if the corpus are better. And I never really look at the, you know, I, I, I just went there to listen because everything was so far away. But I enjoy it more now because I get to I get to see the players but I also get to see you, and like I said, there's a relationship there that I never used to see that I truly enjoy, so and I, I wouldn't take that negatively. That's right?
2: helpful to yeah. hear, actually. I, I
0: will actually add to that and just say, like, as somebody who just loves classical music, as we do, sometimes all the energy from the orchestra is inside you, but your guys are moving around. We're... I feel like audiences should move around more, too. Well, And and you want to, right? You want to, like... But at the same time, like, what do you do? It's not a dance. So, like, (laughs) there's nothing to do other than just... So sometimes having the conductor be a little bit more expressive helps because you can channel the audience. And like, it's almost like all our attention is being released when a conductor is moving around. Yeah. Interesting. I, I agree, interesting. I
3: do agree with that. I think it is, there is a chance for the conductor to be a bridge from the music and the, the ensemble to the audience. And you know, Ben, it's funny, I had a mentor who also said um, the, there's another way the conductor kind of helps the audience and it's okay if they do watch them. And it's because you know you're, you're directing your attention towards certain things. Right. Visually, but that then causes the audience to direct their attention orally toward certain things, like oh, maybe that line point. is important. That's a that, good point. Know. So I think there's there's a couple positives to that. Yeah. And I personally, when I sit in the audience too, I, I usually can't sit still. I like yeah. to. Yeah.
0: bounce around It's with hard, the music. especially yeah. when especially when you guys have conducted so well. And I I don't know if you knew I I we were there for the Schubert. Oh, and oh, we, I that. wrote a review that. for the Schubert because your Schuberts your the way you conducted it was like perfect for what Alex and I particularly because there are only two pieces that we're picky about, which is Schubert's really? Eighth and Mahler's Fifth. Those are the only two that I'm that we are picky about how they're conducted. Alex and I are not. Well, picky I thought you were going to say
1: picky about the, 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 the symphony itself. Isn't you no, picky no, about that? No, no, That's no. no, no, no I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm
0: not picky about the composers, <laughs> but it, the, the, those are the only two, and specifically only choice. like the first movement of of the Schubert. And you just did it perfectly, exactly how we love where you. you repeated the exposition like you went all like, it was like all in on everything that you wanted to hear from that piece. And so sometimes oh, it's like, you. especially then, it's even worse because Schubert's nervous tension is just like making you like, uh you know, trembling in your chair. So to have some release from that more than just musically, it's it's something that as an audience member, we really like crave almost yeah. like no. it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's nice, nice. yeah if we just had somebody that just sat there and just went with their finger like it would be very difficult to like yeah Reiner yeah Interesting. Interesting. And moving on to the second half so we so I know we're gonna there four pieces there's yeah. four pieces and one of the things I found very interesting about the way you guys chose the program and I don't know if you if you got together in deciding how the program it was but there's four American composers in Beethoven. Yeah, was that intentional, or was there was there? Well, so I,
2: I'll my whole answer most of this because it, the second half of this program is really his brainchild. The process is he dreamed up this brilliant idea, put it to me, yeah. and I said that's brilliant, <laughs> and and uh, thank goodness, right? <laughs> and, tried to, and I tried to figure out what I thought would be. Just would work okay with it because, the, as you said, the two halves of this. There's like one token dead white European composer, and that's the the first half of the program, Beethoven. And what I love about it is that then then there's four yeah three of them uh, living four Americans, three living, and and different styles of music, but it, it works together. And when he when he put it to me, I just thought, um, I, I just thought it was awesome, and that so that's how we came up with it. And I, Michael can
3: obviously yeah no, I mean I think there's up. good. As you can tell with Ben, I mean, I enjoy collaborating with Ben. We've, now that you've been on faculty for a bit now, we've had a chance to do some wonderful yeah. projects, and that was true with his predecessor, Kate Tamarkin, too. We did a lot of different things together. And I, I, I enjoy that uh, I have the chance to come in usually every other year for one of these subscription concerts with the symphony and bring the university singers, and we do some big works. And there's always a conversation, like, you know, what are we going to do? How's the program going to work? And I appreciate Ben's openness to to pairing up this kind of, what what I envision the second half is, is um, as I told him and others, kind of like an American choral symphony.
0: Oh, interesting! Right.
3: So there's four pieces, and and I structure them a little bit like you would the movements of a symphony. So the Copland opens it. We're doing Copland "Chemical Freedom" for your right. audience out there, uh, and that's the kind of like a an opening allegro, a kind of a, a flourish and that kind of thing. Then we do. Eric Whitaker's Equus, which is just, if if you haven't heard it out there, please go take a listen, please come hear us next week. It's just this driving wild ride, right? Equus obviously means horse, and it's just like a a very wild horse ride. And it's a hard piece for everybody, but it's fascinating. It's a little bit like a scherzo, right? Fast and energetic. The Jennifer Higdon O Mysterium is beautiful, beautiful it is a slow setting of that Latin text with a much smaller set of instruments. And that would be like the slow movement of the symphony. And then the hail stork is like a cantata unto itself. Right, I will lift on. up mine eyes um, in several movements, but that kind of serves as a bigger finale to bookend the four movements. And that was my idea. And, and I thought it helped diversify our programming and, and I, you know, I'm, gratefully, I know two of the three that are living. I know Whitaker personally. I know Helstork pretty well, actually, because he's right down the road in Virginia. We've actually oh, wow. commissioned him with, before with the Oratory Society. And um, it, it's great to be able to present their music and know something about them. I, I, don't, I haven't met Higdon personally yet, but she's, of course, very active right now as well. And then Copeland is, you know, there's a beautiful American sound. I mean, that piece is shorter, not done very much, but you, you will hear immediately what we think of as the Copeland yeah, sound.
2: You, you'd be surprised that you haven't heard it because you yes. think
3: this is this is like quintessential, quintessential, unmistakable yeah. Copeland. So, so that's a little summary of how that the my thinking about that half of the program.
0: Because uh, oh, I was oh, the oh. echo seems extremely. Dingy. It's my turn because the, cause the echo, I've heard the echo when you sent it to me, and it was it. It, it seems very, very, very in, intense. Oh, like, yeah. timing wise. So, oh I, yeah and and just why <laughs> why does it have to be his? Turn? i don't know i'm not really sure. just because he's prepared what's going on here uh, we we had this conversation about like do you want to host or you want me to host he said no no you host so oh. i got oh, microphone. I <laughs> my turn that's because i get
1: a chance to just ask questions whenever i want I, usually that's how it works we just answer the
3: questions. but yeah so you.
0: so like diving into diving into that piece it almost it, it breaks up the program very interestingly like i um, could you talk about that a little bit? Like, what would you expect the audience, and somebody coming to the audience to hear it for the first time? Yeah, like how, well... How, I mean, how would I th- they prepare?
3: I think what's interesting, right, you're getting to hear four pieces you probably haven't heard, which I think is exciting, along with a piece that you may well know and love and should hear a lot, the Emperor Concerto, incredible piece. Um, and I think, you know, but you could, let's make a Beethoven analogy, Ninth Symphony, second movement... Very, you know, third moment. It's, they're very different. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that we have two, and that's the same composer in the same piece. Yeah. So um, I think it's fine that you have this kind of contrast. Now, for, and I think the, the audience is going to feel like they just went on four different rides, four different sh- journeys as they experience these pieces. The Equus could easily finish a concert. It has that kind of feel to it, but I think that Hailstork will be a beautiful ending. And I just, I, I think the rhythms are rather. Um, there, there's some funky grooves in the Whitaker, and it's very catchy. It's also hard to do, but I think it hopefully will get the audience bouncing in their seats a little bit like, wow, listen to that groove, and it has a certain kind of primal energy to this piece when the, cor- the chorus has no text in the piece. It's just neutral syllables, Oh, interesting! right? No yeah. words, just neutral syllables. And, and so the way Whitaker wrote it, and I think hopefully they'll just be kind of caught up in the energy of that for seven minutes or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is.
1: Yeah. My, my question was really, um, how do you, how, how did you come up with that? I mean, is that something that you've had in, in your head for a long time and wanted to come out or, or, or the P- equis or the no the op- whole put them together because I was I was finding it interesting how you come up with you know what you're going to be playing the next year I mean we kind of sit in yeah. our seats the programs like okay what's it going to be and, yeah. and and sometimes I sit Alex there Alex announces
0: say, it in the office yeah. like a symphony's programming yeah, I, I, and, yeah. You know,
1: I, and once it was like oh, I'm just going someone said what is this <laughs> did, they, did they put that for I mean right so <laughs> really? I, I mean, yeah no really I don't oh, know only because I've never heard some right so it's like but that's good that's good. 66 67 years old. I'm an antique, right? At no, this point. Young. and so, like, I like I tell him, he's always like, Oh, you got to listen to this new piece. I said, You know what? Uh, probably, but I've only got a certain number of years to go, and I love these like yeah. these like symphonies that I love, and I want to hear them again.
3: So, I'm not sure I want to you know introduce. what it's like Xavier, right? You have your favorite restaurant, right? Exactly, right? And you go there because you love the food there, but what if? You know, Nick says, Oh, dad, there's this other restaurant you got to try. It. And then you go and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't imagine my life now without knowing this True. restaurant.
1: True. Right. I, I recognize I, there's that option, but it's always the option, is like,
3: This stunk. Yeah. It's like, I could have had good food. And look, <laughs> you're not required to like every piece no, when you no. come to a concert. No. So that's, but I think it's our duty as artists to present of a variety of works and ben also is very keen on this he he programs for the 21st century and um, i think that's important that we present some of the best repertoire from history because if you forget that then it's just like you have amnesia or short-term memory but at the same time there are real beautiful living people making beautiful extraordinary things and I think we also have an obligation to to present that and for and not just for the audience we work at an educational institution so it's also part of the students educational experience and that diversity you know hell an african-american composer and then one of my african-american students in university singers comes up and is like wow I really resonate with this piece that's important too that's special yeah so but how you know how did I think of it you know I've known the pieces for different reasons uh, the Canical, I, I sang that once at uh Cincinnati May Festival. I saw Whitaker conduct Equus, so that kind of factored in. Um, the Hayden, I kept hearing on the radio. And I was like, gosh, I want to do this piece at some point. And the Hailstork, I knew Hailstork, but I didn't know the piece. I just went looking around. And then you try to assemble something that makes sense. Ben will, I think, agree with me. Programming is actually one of the hardest parts of being yes. a conductor. Yeah. To come up with compelling, yeah, when and so in this sound. case,
2: you've got a bunch of pieces which are a little shorter in length, right. and you realize—I, I, I would assume—you realize this, this, these sort of suggest a unit. They're like a, they're, right. a, they're pretty disparate. They're, they're going to sound different from each other, especially I think when you get to the beginning of Equus. There's a sort of oh, we're in a new sound world oh, from. Yeah. Copland Copeland w- and Beethoven. Copeland and Beethoven. Yeah, I think right. Equus will probably make Copland sound kind of like Beethoven in comparison with what's coming. That's interesting. And I think that that, that, is, that moment in the program kind of flips a little bit of a hmm. switch. And I'll, I have two reactions to, to butt in uh, to this part of the conversation. Yeah. To what you said about I remember I had amazing good fortune in high school that I was in Helsinki t- on two different trips, very randomly. My parents took me, and then my youth orchestra b- was on a, a tour in Scandinavian countries. And and so it was my second time in Helsinki. I was like the cool guy who had been to Helsinki before, right? And, and of course, I've never, <laughs> I've never been since, and there's no other there's, there's no other city th- that is that rarefied in the world that I've ever been to twice since then. But... I knew about this restaurant and there were a zillion other restaurants but I wanted to go to the one that I knew. Yeah. So I can understand what you're saying about that. There's a there's a comfort factor to that, right? Yeah. And 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 I can understand that and for me that probably applies in other areas of my life although yeah. not in music. I don't I don't listen to pieces that I already know generally speaking like at all. Yeah. I, I listen to pieces that I don't know. But uh, but it's a little different as a, as a musician than, a, than right. as just yeah. a, uh, you know someone who's a consumer of music but not a musician themselves. So I understand that difference. So there's, that, that is something I can relate to. So there's one aspect of, like, should I approach this new piece, which is it's unfamiliar to me. Then there's another aspect, which might also be in play, which is, I think that it might have a different harmonic language from one that I'm accustomed to in music of the 19th century. And that's, a diff- that's in a very different category. And to me, that's very much about... Because people who... The, the, there's no camera pointed in that direction. But is it okay for me to, like... Mention what I'm seeing over there. There's sure. this. There's this. Everyone fit. knows. That Everybody knows. That I love
0: Seville Network. Yeah. There's a.
2: There's a fantastic liquor, yeah. liquor uh, array over there, and I remember very distinctly because we were talking before the show. But I, how, if I am gonna have something to drink, it, it probably would bourbon. be scotch. Oh yeah. Um, and I remember very clearly the moment where I had never had scotch before, and the first time that you have a scotch, mm. you think, ah, How can you know, windshield washer fluid. How, what, how, could, <laughs> anybody, how could anybody willingly put this yeah. in their mouth? But
3: then you have if lack you of then, woolen.
2: <laughs> tre- yeah. If you first, first of all, there are there are entry ones which are more smooth. But but if you then realize, no, I can handle this taste, and then you're offered something which is peated versus a Highland yes. versus something which is very floral from from the Japanese single malt area, which, which Japanese single malts are an entire Different world from especially from a peated scotch, then you realize that behind that barrier is a universe that was closed to you before right. you came through the barrier. So, a piece of new music is a little bit like a scotch. And I, and I, at the first glass I had, I was shocked, and now I enjoy many glasses of scotch. So, I, can- I would say. Have a scotch.
3: Yeah. And I love to have a scotch. That's <laughs> an <Yeah>. excellent <laughs> analogy. It's an excellent analogy. And just to bring our conversation full circle in some ways, remember at the beginning, Ben, you talked about a fortress into which there was no entrance. Yeah. This is another way of putting it. That yeah. it's not just right. us that want to get in the fortress. We want to open it to other people. Yeah. Well I mean, no, that's it, a strange analogy because in some ways it's not a fortress at all. It's yeah. available to everyone. No, and right?
1: and I and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. It, and and don't get me wrong. I just and, and I find it – I guess my question was more like, you know, how do you, you know, it must, it, it must take a lot of time yeah. to come up with a program yeah. to all of a sudden say there's this piece and you, you know, because you also you always have wonderful pieces right where everybody can enjoy and then and then you have an introduction piece sometimes there's a piece that that maybe a lot of people say never heard of it right yeah and don't get me wrong i i enjoy them in the sense that when i'm there first of all i have no choice but to listen to the right but then once in a while it's like wow that that was really good right and then once in a while it's like yeah it's not my cup of tea but Mm -hmm. that's fine right i i still appreciate the fact that somebody wrote that right but how do you come up with that you know, list of you know, I'm going to put this together yeah. you know, is, is interesting to me in the sense of do you think of a, a genre? Do you think of I of, – you know, I don't know what you're thinking you of know, when you put it together. Look,
3: yeah, I hear what you're getting at. You try um, to think of everything. Yeah, There's so many different I, angles on okay. it at once, and they sometimes I, conflict with each I think, other. That's I don't what know, makes if you programming work. I'm curious to hear, but I, I'm going to bet you did. I think when you're young – You make a dream list, right? You're like, I want to conduct this, 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 because you've learned all these cool pieces. And I think Ben and I have at least been in the field long enough now where we're fortunate enough we've covered a fair amount of the dream list, or at least some of it. And there are pieces, you know, like I have conducted B minor mass by Bach. Amazing. Verdi Requiem. You know, we could go on and talk about it, but Bernstein Mass. Carmina Burana? I have conducted that. I know you want when, to do... Yeah. When is that coming? And, uh, I was going to forbid him from saying... Yeah, that's I, right. it up again. <laughs> I can't uh, And so what you do is you... And you. part of the reason you want to do those is not just for yourself. You it's because you believe in them as artistic works. You want to share them with other people, your students, your singers, your players, your audiences, um, the public, as we're doing here. Uh, but at the same time then you've got to start thinking creatively in other directions, too. So I think it's a combination of yeah. those things. Yeah,
2: yeah it's... I, I, there was a philosopher, and I don't know who it was, because um, my friend quoted to me, and I forgot what he said. But it was a philosopher <laughs> who said, we are different people at different points in our life, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of a fascinating way to yeah. say people that's change over time. personality that's yeah. probably true. We're yeah. different people. And so, yeah, when I, when I started playing violin... I wanted to perform for people because I wanted to show off this new thing I could do. Mm. And then, you know, later on, I, I uh, craved the sort of meditative state that music put me in. And I, and I craved the opportunity to share that mental state. And now I'm in a, a place which is similar to that that's that's very operative in in my thinking about it, but it's, but it's it's gotten more kind of broad in the sense of what do I, what do I want art to be doing in the world yeah. and and that is really what 's kind of in the background of programming decisions now is what is what is what do I think this can accomplish? what do I think a large arts organization can do in a small city, or in, or in, a region, or, or just kind of in general, what, what are we really doing here? Is sort of the question in, in the background right now. That's fair. No, yeah, it's good.
0: Uh, I have one last question for Professor Rouse, and this is the question that we're following I mean, ben, up on before Ben. ben. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, if you could conduct a Mahler symphony, which would it be? Because I, I know, I know Michael's <laughs> answer because we talked about it at lunch, but um, it's a tricky one. And Dust Leed Vander is an acceptable answer.
2: Will, oh, we'll it say. is? Yeah, we'll take don't it. Don't pick that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you want it for yourself. No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> don't. Uh, um, oh, I don't. I love that one. I don't know. Nine. Nine. Nine uh, nine. Oh, yeah, nice. I, can um, get that. I I uh and and it's and it's Not because I think it's necessarily the easiest to understand of this. Maybe it's because it's the hardest to understand of this. Actually, I don't think I don't think it's the hardest to understand. I think I I I think others are are more eight is yeah. yeah, Well, yeah. that's not my pick. I am evidently speaking to a Mahler enthusiast here, so I've got to watch what I say. No, you Symphony, don't have to watch you say at all. Symphony, no, no, yeah, Symphony yeah. Eight is an inert mess. I'm sorry, yeah. it, and it's not that it doesn't sound good. And it, like it sounds amazing, but it's just no, like it's kind of goes on issues. sounding yeah. amazing. And it's it's it, yeah. It I, I would say nine, but uh, but but also two.
3: Yeah. Comes ah, to mind yeah. it, right well, after that. Did I say that? four or two? You said right four. Which I've already conducted, but I just adore it. But two, two. <laughs> Boy, is, fantastic. I, would, I would love to do two.
0: I would love to hear either. Alpha, so. We're just. We're all
1: for two, eight, four. We're just a bunch five. of dudes <laughs> naming
2: numbers, right? Now. Yeah. We're just right. sitting around <laughs> spitting out numbers to most of these. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> the first. The, the, if you're listening to this and you think Molly's M A H L E R, start with one. Start with Mahler it's a great Symphony piece. One. It is great. Yeah, one is just, right up there. And then but I would going. say two above that, and nine and two, nine and two. Yeah. <laughs> <All> right. Not <laughs> four? Not four? Wait About a minute. four and five. Beautiful. I love four. Yeah. four I have yeah. Yeah. gotten the chance to do Symphony Four. I've never conducted five.
0: Yeah. I see I would never start with 1 because I always want to tell people to do 7 because if they don't like muller. they they'll never get there and that's my favorite so I'm like, just listen to seven <laughs> first. <laughs> and if you, you don't start you do it, if you don't like no. it then just walk away I think he's
3: right entry scotch you need a <laughs> no,
0: one. so should, should
3: we remind everybody when these so these con- or yeah, whatever's coming up the yeah. concert
0: yes. that's coming up is <laughs> November 11th and 12th you can get tickets at the UVA box Arts box office, please yeah. do. Um, and they are going to be at Old Cabell Hall at seven thirty on Saturday, mm-hmm. and at the Montage. Was it the Monticello High School, correct?
3: Uh, Charlottesville MLK Performing Arts Center, Center at High three School. p.m. Three yeah. thirty Sunday. Three thirty. Yeah. Did you write this seats. down? Yeah. 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 No, I didn't write it down. No, no wonder. <laughs> yeah. And can we just throw in also that uh, so far. the the two ensembles, the Charlottesville Symphony and University Singers, will also be collaborating in December right. on the traditional family holiday concerts. Oh yeah. And when, and when old, is that? When is that? December two and three. Okay. Yeah. Both so. at Old Campbell. And there's other fun, choral so. concerts between now and then, too, so just check the website. Yeah,
0: no, we will make sure to share them as they come up Absolutely. <laughs> since we ran yeah, out of time. Yeah. And uh, half of my questions were not answered, thank you. Wow, we favor. have to well, We
1: started like five minutes late. You've got like two minutes to go, and then you've got one more question that, that they can answer in two minutes? I mean, uh, your questions. I mean, I looked I at your no, questions, no, I and I said, who wants to there's, like, <laughs> there's
0: no way. I don't think we could go two minutes no, with any of these fun. questions. <laughs> we're fine. <Just> <laughs> Thank you, guys, both for joining us. Yeah, it's they, been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's been a thank lot of you, guys, fun. for, and, for
3: and, and having us on. Absolutely, sounding... and I,
1: oh, I appreciate I, the patience with you know with my questions. But I just oh, they're know, good. Once you start talking about what you do, it I, I always get it's intrigued. Fat, yeah. it's I think fascinated. they're very good yeah. questions.
0: Thank you. That, that's why if you don't mind, we'll have you guys back so that I can get through my questions. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate I guess, you. I guess, Steve I, guess I won't be his preparation. Next time. <laughs> I guess I won't be First time in the show history, I prepped for a show and I didn't get to use any of it. Well, that's all right. It's, <laughs> First and last it's, time. You know. <laughs> First and last time. I'm like. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you to, to Emergent Financial Services, to Craddock Series Insurance, Matthias John Realty, and Castle Cider for sponsoring our show today. Thank you, Xavier, for joining us. Thank you, professors, for for being with us today. <laughs> and uh, until next time, hasta mañana. Yeah. Bravo, boys. Well, Hold uh, on. Brilliant. Wrapping it up is always the hardest thing to do. Alex knows how to do it.